morning, everybody. I was, I was watching, I was not uh, so well last Sunday, and I was watching online as Henny was doing his preach, and obviously with all the sound problems that occurred in the hall, is this wrong? Have I moved it down? Am I sounding a bit nasally? Is that better? It's speaking through my nostril. Is that what you're saying? Anyway, after watching all the, the, the sound problems, um, it was looked at seriously by the sound team. We've resolved the problem, which is just wear and tear. So we hope that this morning we don't have any, and we believe in that we won't have any issues technology-wise. By the way, just who was here for Henny's uh, speak? Wasn't it just good? Such a... Humble old man, just love him. And he was the other Saturday sharing with us. Hello, Charlotte. And um, re- even online, just completely blessed. Even though there was a. We sort of. We allowed the Holy Spirit to do some interpretation. <laughs> All right. This morning, uh, so when I sat down, I didn't sit down this week. I sat down two weeks ago to actually look at. Uh, preparing for this morning and then we had Charlotte at that stage was ending off the Two Worlds Collide series and the points that she made were completely valid concerning Jesus Christ and what God has provided for us now in the world today and then I was completely blown away by Safisa's message the week after that about holiness and it and Safisa is the only man I know that can whisper and still the mic can pick him up. But what an awesome, awesome preach. Remember, if you can remember, the four stages or the four aspects to a man's heart, hard-hearted, cold-hearted, I can't remember. I've got it written. I've got it written. I referred to it, but it was an absolutely... And what I felt when I started to prepare for this was... That God's in, and it's funny because I'd done this preparation before we, before this weekend, this week, and we went down to the Elders Connect or the the Connect Time in Port Shepston on Thursday, and it was said to me, it was spoken about, it was said to me by a couple of other people, um, just in conversation, and I believe this is what God is doing. God is is requiring and restoring holiness back into the lives of his people. With regards to the church, he's taking it back. He's taking it back. Uh, man has turned it into a whole lot of things at various times. Um, for example, the quote that Tyron always gives is that during COVID, 37,000 churches closed in the U.S., they closed because they were not sustained or they were being sustained by, the, by man. Man was allowing those churches to, to grow. But when, when the rug was pulled out under the feet of man, the church had no substance, completely biblical. You can check it out for yourself. When the floods come or the rains wash against the house that's not completely sound and on the rock, the, the house collapses. So God, I feel two things. He, he wants holiness back in his people, not just, a, 
not a, not a lip service of holiness. Good morning, everyone online. I beg your pardon. Good to, good to greet you this morning. Have you in this beautiful summer conditions? Going back to where I was saying, um, to restore holiness. Not a fictitious holiness. Not a holiness we put on when we come and meet you on a Sunday. But that our lives are holy and acceptable to him. Whether we're alone making supper or at the, at the office, uh, on the computer, whatever it may be, our lives are holy. We have been paid for by a tremendous price. And at the same time, he's taking back his church. And you're going to see the church is going to get a little bit different, I believe, over the years, short, over the months and years to come. It will look a little bit different. It will, it will contain an aspect of respect and understanding and knowledge of God as opposed to flamboyance. And uh, we often speak about, um, not masquerades, but performances and loudest music and biggest lights and biggest screen and whatever the latest technology would bring. All very helpful, provided the the, the, whoever's driving it is holy and, and doing it for the reason of only, only uh, uh, growing the kingdom of heaven. That's our only purpose. We've got no other purpose. If you're looking for a little comfortable spot to sit in the church in the corner, and this is not for you here, it's for all those <laughs> somewhere else, um, you probably you're going to find you're going to get shaken up a little bit or pricked or something's going to happen. And don't worry if it does. Let God do what God's doing. Because by the time he's finished, it'll be better than it was when he started. So with that in mind and, and with Sufisa's preach in mind, I prayed into this and God sh- uh, took me to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. And I started with just Hebrews 1, but it actually evolved further and further as, as I went into it. So we can put up Hebrews 1. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. This is now echoing, so whatever's changed, if we can just bring down the gain or something. There we go. So Hebrews 1, I'll read you. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed, and remember this this little section I'm going to read now, who he appointed the heir of all things. So there is nothing that Jesus is not the heir of. All things. All things. Even what that's in the mind of the, the... The angels, much more than that. The mind of the devil, much more than that. He's been appointed heir of all things. Through whom he also created the world. Remember, the world was created through Jesus Christ, uh, the word of God. He is the, another aspect to Jesus. He is the radiance um, of the glory of God, so is it right? He reflects, and how do we know? We can read his the, the testaments about him. He reflects 
the glory of God. He reflects the radiance of God. And he is the exact imprint of his nature. We don't have a a right nowadays to say, I wonder what God would do. We look at Jesus because Jesus is the exact imprint of the nature of God. So if Jesus was forgiving someone and in a situation, that's what we will do because that's what God's doing. Um, healing, that's the nature of our God. Casting out demons, that's the nature of our God. Setting us apart, causing us to become a holy, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, that's the nature of God. That's what he's doing. Okay, so he's, he's, the, he's the exact imprint of his nature. And I enjoy the. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Sometimes we just let that say he made the stars to shine and he made the roaring seas. I don't know if any of you (laughs) are that old (laughs) that you remember that from. (laughs) But he's more than that. He upholds the universe, all things, the cosmos, what we see, what we know. The infinite aspects to the universe, what we don't see, we can't even see. We don't have microscopes that can drill in enough to see how small it is. Just with the power of his word, he upholds all those things. We're talking about the supreme being, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, So... Just going back on today, I've broken this up into three parts this morning, just bringing some points to that first, first piece. So previously, and we all saw this, he spoke through prophets, and then the writer of Hebrews says, and in these last days, he spoke through his son. Prophets, angels, bringing words, remember Gabriel and, and the guys who were going out to war, and they'd meet an angel along the way, and they We'd have a conversation. Prophets, angels, ministering spirits. Now, the Son of God. God manifest as a man, himself. It's a, it's a far greater being, would you agree, than the angels? And this is what the title Hebrew calls it. It says, uh, the supremacy of God's Son. Over And, and he, he's drawing the, the Jewish... The Israelite people um, into a conversation about because they were holding on to how it was in the past and he's saying that's what it was in the past man, prophet, God speaking to a man who then spoke to a man now we, sp- now we have the ability to hear directly one on one one on one with the creator of all things I wonder how many of us actually take the time, I think this has come up a few times, take the time just to be quiet. Don't say a word. Just to be quiet in the presence of God. Eventually it it overtakes you, it overwhelms you. Not saying a word. Eventually it overwhelms you as your mind and your spirit start to connect and, and the enormity of who God is. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> the enormity of who God is starts to become revelation, more than just what we've read, more than what, just what we've studied. Okay, so 
The next thing which is important to know, because I was having a conversation the other day with some young people, and they said to me, why is it, why are we all trying to work hard for, for the off for heaven? Why are we like, why are building up rewards in heaven so important? Why can't we build up rewards and have them here? And there was this whole conversation about this. And this is, if you get this point, um, he has been appointed heir, inheritor, of some of heaven, of all of heaven, of all the earth, of all the universe, of all things, of all gold, of all money, of all cattle, of all existence, of all non-existence but in the infinite. He has inherited all of those things. And we're going to read in a minute how by us signing up with him, believing in him, uh, we become co-inheritors. How much have you got? In Jesus, everything. There's nothing. There is nothing in existence and will come into existence that you are not a, a, a lord over, a master over through Jesus, through Jesus Christ. Because you're a son of God. That's amazing. Just let, we'll let that soak in a bit. Some people might get excited about that. And then I, I quickly... I don't think the words are up here. Ephesians 3.6. This is just what I was talking about. This is Paul speaking. The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and members of the same body. So you had Israel and they were the heirs. They were the children of God. And Paul says, this is a mystery. The Gentiles have been brought in too. As heirs, they've been grafted into the same vine. So whatever was blessings God has ever spoken on the tribe of Israel as, as his children is also ours as Gentiles if we, if we are grafted into the vine. And, and I'm just reinforcing that fact because it's not just about we such a and we, we go through life and we'll live in heaven, which is awesome. And we'll, we picture ourselves standing with a beautiful gown on, worshipping God. The thousands and thousands and thousands of people and angels. No, more than that. Because the man we worship in on the throne, whatever he has inherited is ours also. We are co-heirs with him. We cooperate, therefore, with him. In other words, there's a stronger connection than just I know him, uh, I understand him, I've connected with him. No. I'm one with him. When you become one with him, whatever's going to, whatever he's got going, is you've got going. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> whatever Jesus has got going, you've got going. And Jesus has got all things going. There's nothing outside of him. I want to move straight on to uh, the, the chapter 2 because this is actually where I started when I did my prep. But it's very important. <laughs> so so what, what the writer was trying to do is say, guys, understand one thing. Jesus is far more supreme 
than any angel, any being, any uh, ministering spirit, any demon, any demonic activity, any devil, any principality, anything you can think of. He's far more supreme than that. He has all things. By his name alone, he upholds the universe by his word. So this is an enormous, enormous person. And we, we are one with him. Now the author warns his, the people that are reading. He says, and, and I want this to be, let this soak into you. I'm not saying you need to hear this warning. I'm saying that it's always good. It's good for me to, he, to be reminded about things which we know and we understand. But it's good to just sometimes have it brought to the front. Chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 2. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. I drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord through prophets. It was attested to by those who heard it, who saw him, the apostles, the disciples that were with him. They, they testified what they had seen. So the Lord um, spoke it. The, the disciples testified to it. And then God also himself bore witness by signs and wonders and miracles. And, not last, uh, not least, gifts of the Holy Spirit. So if you want to know who's supreme and how it operates, look at your life and my, I can look at my life. Is the fruit of the Spirit there? Is, am I operating in the gifts of the Spirit? Um, because this is, this is what we get when we, when we are one with Him. But our life is... How this thing starts. We must pay much closer attention lest we drift away. Now I looked at, I was so taken up by that first sentence that I actually looked into some, some depth into, uh, into uh, historical languages. So I, I ended up at, in the Greek. And the Greek for the first one where it says uh, lest we drift away is, is a Greek word called Parabasis. And parabasis is a refusal to follow. In other words, we hear the word of God, we understand the word of God, and we refuse to follow the word of God. That neglect is what the, the writer is talking about. It's not, uh, um, we know, hear, understand, and make a decision ourselves, for ourselves, not to follow it. So that's the first neglect. The second one, the second point that really stood out for me was that the Mosaic law, that refers to the law spoken by angels. Of course, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. He wrote them down himself. Moses came down the mountain with the Ten Commandments. But the laws of Moses then kicked in. And he, I don't know, there was over 600 laws, 600 and something laws. 
And a lot of those laws were given to him by, men, by angels, by ministering spirits. They weren't just of his own knowledge. He was given ability and understanding and wisdom and input. Okay, so that's the Mosaic law. And how much, and, and what he says is that in, in the time of Moses, or the entire time of Israel up to Jesus Christ, the sentences for breaking that law were severe. Uh, you remember Jesus running across a, uh, a group of people trying to stone a woman for committing adultery. And that's one of the rules. They were, they were entitled to do that. Jesus didn't say, you're not allowed to do this. He said, whoever's not done wrong, you throw the first stone. But the law allowed that. The law allowed for, I don't know if you recall, I think we might have spoken about it, Charlotte, when the Israelites were in the wilderness and Moses came down, there was this golden calf that they had fashioned for themselves, and he made the tribes line up and march in front of him. And X amount of people, I can't recall, were swallowed up by the ground. 3,000 people God killed that day in the desert for doing that. What What did they do? They disobeyed his law. Now we have a new, a new covenant through grace with Jesus Christ. We are still liable for the law. We are still liable. When we reach heaven, we will still stand before God and have to give an account for ourselves. The difference is, when we get there, Jesus walks in front of us and says, Father, this one's mine. Live. You can go. Law book torn up, Jesus Christ. If you don't have Jesus Christ, the law book is opened. And then you will be judged by God according to the laws of existence, the laws of man, the laws that have been put in place. So, so God is, uh, Jesus is at a, at, a, at a point of salvation. We think we, we are saved the moment we say, Lord, come live in me. Paul says, work out your salvation Daily or continually. Because you're being saved from the moment you t- make that commitment to the point you stand in front of God and Jesus walks in front of you and says, I'll take this is mine. Um, it's, it, requires, it requires us to be committed, surrendered, totally bought in to Jesus Christ. We are required to do that. This is not a thing that you glance over. Uh, have you ever been saved? Oh, yeah, okay, I'll say, okay, cheers, I'm on my way. The, the obligation has a much higher expectation from God. That is why we receive, and he left, and he brought down the Holy Spirit, who, will lead, who leads us and guides us and brings wisdom and brings the giftings for us and set, does the whole sanctification process. While we're, while we're here. Working through us. This is the Spirit of God. Again, who is it? God. God. <laughs> the same Spirit that wiped out the firstborn in Egypt. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Is now in me. The same Spirit. Not another Spirit. Not a watered down version. Not a diluted. The same Spirit lives in me. Wow. I am my weakest point because I am the one that don't understand, doesn't understand the capability of, my, of God's Spirit in me. 
And this is what uh, the writer of Hebrews is busy saying. Um, I just want to find my second. The second Greek word for that is, is, uh, in terms of neglect is, another, is a word called parakoe, which is a refusal to heed. Same meaning, uh, refusal to follow or a refusal to heed. Not lead, heed. To, to take it and put it into, into practice. To summarize that, that little chapter section there. Told by the Lord, witness, Jesus was witnessed to by the Lord. Those that walked with him, except for one, were all um, um, martyred, were killed for what they believed. I believe John was the only one who didn't. He was locked in a prison in Patmos. The others all died. Fictitious story that you've been sharing together as a group of people. Every single one of them. Peter said, crucify me upside down. <clears throat> I'm not worthy to be crucified the same way. Crucify me upside down. Paul, who, wasn't, who didn't even walk with Jesus that time, but had an encounter, a revelation encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, head chopped off. And he knew it was coming. And he didn't mind at all that this life would end. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That was, his, that was what drove him through life. And eventually he did die, chopped off. I was reading, I don't know what we're doing for time. No, we're 15. I was looking at an interesting documentary in terms of the Roman law at that time. If Paul, if Paul himself had not requested to see Caesar, he would have been released prior to that by um, one of the prefects that he saw before. So there was a process before you get to Caesar. They said, we would, have, we would release you. But because you insisted on Caesar, we're going to take you to Caesar. And he ended up dying. He chose it. He said, because this is what Jesus has shown me. My vision, my plan, and everything that I see, this is what he said I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it and go and fish and whatever, or be a Pharisee or whatever. He went through with it. Uh, now, bringing it into today, 2022, what have we got in us? So I say, I'm saying we've got the very Spirit of God in us. So what is that doing for us? What does that do for you? What does that mean to you? Does your, is your life different because you've got the Spirit of God in you? Or are you still the same grumpy mopey on a Monday, very excited on a Friday, managed through a Sunday? Little minor, little minor incidences are the things that rock my world and throw me upside down. I haven't got the capability or the, the tenacity or sustainability of anything. I'm swept by winds and currents. Really? You've got the spirit of the living God in you, in me? And that's what we have, all things, all things in us through Christ Jesus. And, and unfortunately, we, that sentence has become, or that phrase has become so stereotyped, so it's like blasé. You can do all things that Christ has strengthens you. Yeah, but where's Christ? Well, it's right inside. How do you know that? The Holy Spirit bears witness 
There's testimony. What is the gift? The gifts are for the, up, the uplifting and the upbuilding and the growth of the body of Christ. So this whole thing actually comes together in, in a united sphere. The last section that I'm going to read, and this is where Sophisa's word, when I read this, it just stood out at me. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an employing word. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you, lest there be in any of you an evil heart, an unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence uh, and fir- confidence firm to the end. So the things that, that I picked out of there, if he says, take care, brothers, that there be of you uh, with an evil and unbelieving heart leading you away, to fall away from the living God, um, and jump in a few lines, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I think that's, that's, that's what the writers get in it. Don't become so, what's the word? Can, um, sorry? Casual. It's a good word. It wasn't the word I was thinking of, but that word works very well. Don't be so casual. In, we mustn't be so casual in our approach to God and our understanding of God. And when we say Father, and when we call upon His name, or when we call upon Jesus Christ to heal someone, or to do... We mustn't be casual. Or the relationship, the salvation that he has given us, is not a casual thing. Because that will cause us to drift slowly. And I remember when I first joined City of Tim, you were preaching six, a degree out or something, something about, you can be one degree out here, you can't notice it. But if you continue for four kilometers on a, slot, on a degree out here, you're going to be miles apart. And that's what happens, and I've seen it happen in the lives of many solid, sound Christians. And thank the Lord, he's with them and typically pulls them back towards their commitment. But on our own devices, we just drift and we just move. And the next thing we're listening to this story, that sounds like a good preach. Oh, that oak's got it together and we're there and we're here and we're there. All of a sudden, God's nowhere near us. So that's what he's saying. Because once that happens, then we start to... Because we, of our distance from him, we become open doors for deceitfulness. We get deceived. People deceive us. And when that happens, we become deceived and also deceit into sin. Just summarizing the entire morning. We've got to recognize Jesus. We've got to, and when I say recognize, we've got to let the Holy Spirit change, change us with regard to our view of him. So we don't neglect we don't drift. We don't wander away from his salvation. Don't, and don't take heed of it. We need to check our hearts that they are not evil or unbelieving. That's a, that's a thing you do quietly and say, God, show me. What am I really? Show me really 
inside. Is there things there that are problems? And when God reveals a problem, don't say, oh, I'll make another of that problem. I'll have to work on it as, as I go forward. God will deal with it right there and then. Number three, there's no escape in this salvation. You're either going to, at a point in time, in existence, you're going to end up before God. And you're either going to have this a real salvation through Jesus Christ, or you're not. Everyone. The, everyone that's ever existed will have that. So do not, we mustn't think we're going to escape. Um, sorry. There is no escape, and there isn't a loophole. There isn't something we can do to get around. Salvation is Jesus Christ. In, fourth point, encourage each other. I don't know. I, just Holy Spirit, come and just right for the moment, just, just show us in our hearts how often we encourage and how often we discourage. How often we build up and how often we criticize. Father, we've become a critical nation. We've become a critical nation and we've allowed it into the church where we criticize your, your people. We become like a sideline ref. We all know the answers as long as we're standing on the sideline. Holy Spirit, convict us of that. We don't want that. Change our hearts. Change our spirits. Change our minds so that we can move past that. So that we become an encouraging community. Building each, with a desire to build each other up. This we don't operate in the same system as the world system where there's this ladder and you've got to get to the top of the ladder. We operate on a different system where we're lifting those at the bottom up the ladder ahead of us. And the ladder is Jesus Christ. At the top of the ladder is Jesus Christ, not some reward from man. Thank you, Lord. And the last, the last point is, why do we do all of this? Because we share in you, Jesus Christ. You are in us. We are in you. You are in the Father. Your Holy Spirit Father is in us. We are all connected in a radical, fundamental way. May, may our minds be open to this over the next few days. Holy Spirit, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.